S-T-S. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Sounds and Style. I'm writer and editor Lynette Nylander and in this series we'll be talking to some of culture's most influential figures, exploring how music and style links what we wear with who we are. Join me today as I sit down with the incredible British menswear fashion designer Martine Rose. Raised in South London by her Jamaican family in a home full of music and love, Martine has gone on to establish one of this generation's most forward-thinking fashion labels. Her work blends the eclectic mix of punk, reggae and house music that she grew up listening to as a teenager, evident in the anything goes feeling of her collections. I loved doing this interview. I was first drawn to Martine's work many years ago and to this day her work distills cool and celebrates the majesty of the everyday person. Her clothes and intimate fashion shows evoke the feelings of togetherness we get at being present on dance floors, family weddings, sports crowds and colourful London markets. She is the essence of what this podcast is about. Her label and her are all about staying true to herself. In this episode, Martine and I talk getting emotional about Frankie Knuckles, Goldie's Forever Genius, and the importance of making fashion fun. You're everyone's favourite designer, and you're most certainly my favourite designer. It's just well documented. Every It's quite embarrassing. I was telling Martine before we <laughs> came on air how obsessed I am with her, which I I, I think she knows, but um, <laughs> there's an em- embarrassing meme, not meme, but it's a sound clip that my friend Rachel used in her podcast of me kind of spluttering. I love her so much. She's so important. But you are. You remind me why I even like fashion to be honest and you teach me to not be ashamed of it because there's a way of doing it that doesn't feel gross cheesy. and cheesy Horrible. which the industry has become a bit but we'll get to that and we'll also talk about all the nice things yeah because it is it is brilliant um but I always start each episode with a quote and I try and find a quote of something that you've said and you said this from the beginning I've only ever been interested in things on the periphery Things on the outside, things that haven't really gotten a light shined upon them. I've never really wanted to be a part of a big thing. Anything that is mainstream since I was small hasn't really appealed to me. So when you were small, what did appeal to you? I think my my immediate surroundings really appealed to me. You know, I had a, I had such a sort of happy childhood in a way. I was so preoccupied with my family that and this sort of sense of where I was and who they were and you know how it all sort of fit together obviously I didn't know at the time but I always sort of come back to that and I guess that's expanded to include community you know I really believe in it and the word is so overused and has become this corporate buzzword and and co-opted by people that don't have any community or are very specific curated version of community and, and by exactly. very nature community can't be curated absolutely exactly that and so I, I tried to find another word that could describe what I believe in and what I fundamentally feel but there isn't another word that quite works so I can't keep coming back to community 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 and it just you know if you know another word Lynette because you're my, I, way I, more wordy than no, me no I don't think 
I'm not into changing words when they're apt and other people have made them something, something different. Something else. You call it what it yeah. is and everyone else can adapt their yeah, words yeah, and yeah. call them something different. You grew up very much like me with an older sister, cousins, yeah. who were going out. And yeah. I mean, for me, I grew up in East London and I remember my sisters would get ready for garage raves yeah. and be listening to pirate radio and I would be so excited and I'd feel like I was going as well and then obviously they'd leave and, and I like, was too young oh, and I'd be like oh this yeah, is over that's but exactly the pirate it. radio would still be bubbling in the background and it's how I listened to a lot of like early garage yeah you had family that were big into reggae and lovers rock and dub and all of that yeah. stuff and well you you were 14 and then you just got to it. You, you started yeah. going out. You're, I, I've got a note here that your your 14th birthday party was at Strawberry Sundays in Vauxhall. It was an illegal 14th birthday party, which is very impressive. I mean, honestly, when I think about it now, I'm like, how the fuck? How did that happen? No, because you've got a daughter now and that's yeah, like horrifying. a couple of years away. Honestly, a couple <laughs> of years away. There was no way I was looking 18 or or anything. But back in the day, I don't know if you had some sort of like lyrics and, you know what I mean, you, you with a gang of girls, generally you could get in anywhere. It really shaped who I was, you know, or who I am. I wouldn't change that for the world. And what were they wearing? What, was, what were you uh, wearing? So Strawberry Sundays... I was still really discovering myself and, and who it was. So I was such a mixed crowd. It was just like this other world. It was like techno, house, hardcore. So it was like this funny bunch of, of misfits, really. Mm. I remember sort of cyber doggy style people in there, ravers in there. It was like such a mix. What I was wearing was basically stuff that I could dance in you know mm. what I mean so it would be sometimes it would be like sort of like I met I do remember this very short pair of silver lycra shorts a big world dance bomber jacket and a sort of crop top or something so it was sort of dancey stretchy easy dancey stretchy easy you know what I mean yeah totally know what you mean and it was just, this was late 80s early 90s when was I 14 94 1994, 93. 1994, 93. Yeah. And this is in the, I, I would say, a real heyday of British fashion design, starting in the 80s and kind of proliferating into the early 90s. Yeah. And you're talking about like Body Map yeah. and Helen, Body Map, I mean, incredible. Un- Helen Story or yeah. Christopher Nemeth yeah. or, or Pam Hogg yeah. or. Catherine Hamner, yeah. Judy Blame, Judy all of Blame, them. Um, yeah. R.I.P. to the the greatest yeah. Judy Blame. When I yeah. worked at ID, he used to come in oh. and say in his really gravelly, amazing <clears throat> voice, "Hello, kids." Yeah, and I was like, oh. <laughs> like I was equal parts, so wonderful, terrified, and completely in Mes- awe. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I wasn't. I was only born in eighty nine, but that, like, reading old IDs, that was. Yeah my understanding of what was cool and what star was what what fashion was and what fashion was and I guess and I see so many connections to how your approach to design and that kind of genuine love of London and and love of Mm. community Mm. that you kind of feel like the next you've you've taken the torch oh that's hugely flattering no but I, I I definitely I definitely think it's true what about the magic of nightlife as well because that's something that's throughout the thread of your when you started your brand which is in 2007 yeah it's just always been a, a kind of a love letter to, to nightlife and the way people dress after hours and what 
intrigues you or what do you observe about that? I never feel quite as free mm. as I do on a dance floor. You know what I mean? When the vibe in the club or wherever you are is, is it sinks with a sort of feeling inside and it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, there is nothing like it. Yeah. The feeling of total freedom, abandoned from, from anything. You're not constrained by anything. And, and when, when it's right and you're with these other people and you can, it's a, a very collective thing as well. Yeah. Like it, it's like you move, it's like a muscle. You sort of melt into each other. Do you know what I mean? When that, when that all sinks, the edges blur of everything. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's just, you are, you know, you just sort of become part of this unit. Yeah, you know, and, and it's really transformative. And it's a non-judgment free space. That's, That's what I mean. You can be exactly who you are. are. <laughs> you know and what I mean? And it's not want to be, it's who you no, are. No, it's who you are. It's not, yeah. I, I'm talking, you know, there are clubs where you go to show off what you wear. There are clubs that you, you know, there are clubs for different things where you go and show off how much you earn or what you do and all of that sort of stuff. But I mean, when when the 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 sort of trinity of music the vibe the sound and the people and the people come all come together there's nothing like it i asked you to send over some songs movements people sounds that inspire you and the first one you chose was john holt's never 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 yeah which we listened to me and lizzie on the walk over <laughs> to yeah. your studio tell me a little bit about this memory it was a big memory for you and and your grandparents growing up exactly so it's uh the album is a thousand volts of holt mm -hmm. and it is just a classic you know john holt i think is this underrated in my yeah. in my view for me he's like he's like a frank sinatra he you know what i mean he's a, he's an absolute his voice is so beautiful the words to that song are so profound and that whole album is something that I remember my granddad playing on Sundays after church and it would just, it would just fill the house with sound. So that the whole album is like a backdrop to my nan's house, along with lo obviously loads of it, Desmond Decker and all of those. There was another one actually that um, my granddad used to play, another album, The Artist with Pluto, and it was this it's reggae, but it's like the way that Calypso plays on words and they, they half swear. It was like Lord Kitchener and it was this fu funny wordplay. And I remember being very young, about five or six, and understanding that it was, it was um, swear words, but they would, he would change it right before. But the feeling is of, um, no, it's just a feeling of love, I think. I want to talk to you about your really close girl crew. I, I was when I was researching, I read that you said you found a group of girls when you were younger and you finally felt like you belonged. Yeah. Because you didn't really feel like that before. And, yeah. Um, so I know Tamara, who's your stylist and she's been your stylist from day one. Yeah. You guys, how did you guys meet actually? I do not know this. We actually met when we were 18 at art school. So art school, we went, to, we did a foundation course and it was really on that course that I like, it all sort mm. of clicked. I didn't, really an outsider at school but it wasn't really I didn't find I didn't find my crew you yeah. know what I mean I didn't really have I, I still have some friends from school from back then but it wasn't you know it wasn't sort of this 
really fit in. Mm. And then finally, when I went to art school, I, I literally met my best friends on the first day. Yeah. It was like a weird magnet. You know, it was like... And, and we found that, each other and they still work with me now. And that's like Mira, who does, <clears throat> who's your head of print or textiles. Exactly, yeah. And Chow, Chow, who does all of the shoes. Yeah. Tam, who does the styling. Mm-hmm. I want to really shout out how rare that is. To I have know. your, to, I mean, it's amazing that all your friends are so incredibly talented that they can help I you, know. On your, you know, on your path and, and be so additive to what you're doing. But to have kept the same crew, yeah. it's one of the... Again, one of the reasons I respect you so much, you've never forgotten sort of where you've come from. And I would imagine it's so much easier to work with people who really get the references. That's what I mean. You know what I mean? It's also, it's not sort of, it's not hard work. Do you know what I mean? It's not hard work to work (coughs) with the people that you love with, that you love the most. Mm -hmm. And it's credit to them for putting up with me. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And like, it's just, it's just easy when you fundamentally, you, you know each other so well. It's just easy and another kind of observation of your work is how much it mix and melds subcultures Mm. it's a bit punky Mm. it's a bit acid house it's a bit you know I've been stalking you I'm understanding what you used to do when you were you're like you were younger and going out yeah used to go to rain dance yeah one of the biggest rave nights in 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 London that was a big it was a big acid house yeah I know summer of love in 89 of when the resurgence of Acid House happened in Britain was a big part of yeah. a big influence to you. Hugely. You had an Acid House t-shirt that you stole from your cousin Darren. Yeah. You know, well, he, he he gave it to me. Oh, he actually. gave it he to me. He gave it sorry. to me. It wasn't stolen. It wasn't stolen. It wasn't stolen, Lynette. I'm sorry. Don't spread vicious rumours. <laughs> vicious rumours. <laughs> um, you mix it all together. Yeah. Why do you see no... Why, why do I see no... Why don't I define it yeah. or something? Because that's not what culture is, is it? You know what I mean? That's not how, it's not really how culture works. I'm not, you're not into like, or people don't tend to be in one thing and and not into anything else. Or I, I mean, well, I'm certainly not. No. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not into one type of person. I'm not into one type of thing. I, I think culture melds and moves and shapes and influences each other. So to sort of stop you know what I mean? To be into something and then stop at a lot. I don't know where that line is. Yeah. Punk and reggae and all that they they meld and blur and you know, there's no it's like it's like the dance floor. When that perfect union happens, where do you end and where does something else begin? It doesn't really. It, it all out. splays out. Yeah. Song two, Frankie Knuckles Tears. Yeah. Classic. Oh my god. Yeah. I know, and it makes you feel quite emotional. You know what, when you said that, it just, my nose went fizzy a little bit. And I think this was a point probably around that summer of last night, and I was nine, and said cousin, who who gave me the T-shirt. Gave. Gave me the the T-shirt. He used to be in his bedroom at my nan's house. He lived there and playing records. There were a few. I remember, I do remember De La Soul. This was a, a period of sort of hip house as well. I do remember uh, Three Feet and Rising was being played a lot. Mm. But I remember Frankie Knuckles and just even at nine being like, this song is huge. Yeah, The sense of space in it. And it's like a love song. You know what I mean? It's so beautiful as so well. Beautiful. It's like you can, the words, everything and, you know, it's just an enormous song and it represented a period of uh, sort of early enlightenment to me, you know, where I was like, there is something out there, something big 
here. I had a sense of a, a period of time. It really located me somehow in where I was culturally, mm. what, what was going on. There was something big going on, you know what I mean? Full of this big, expansive feeling. And you don't forget the way that music makes, makes you, you feel. feel. Yeah, I remember when I was at school and I was just like, get me out of here. Like, yeah. I want to go out. There's I want to be else. out. Yeah, I want to be out with the night birds. Uh, there is yeah, something there's else. something else. I want to talk about where you've always had your shows because I've always been blown away. Aww. People just... I, people phone it in compared to you. You've had shows <laughs> at a street market in Seven Sisters around the loft I used to live in on Fountain Road. Yeah, actually. remember you saying yeah. that? Yeah, oh, I, I can't loved, believe you in I can't. I loved that you did it there because yeah. it just always smells like food and yeah. love, and there's yeah. always great people yeah. outside. It's yeah. like a great memory of where I used to live. Um, a community climbing gym, a cul-de-sac in Camden, your child's primary school, yeah. the Arches in Vauxhall. Yeah, you use the backdrop of everyday community locales as a part of your storytelling it's important that you have these shows in places where real people are what's, yeah. what, what's stylish about real people that you observe nothing in, but no one and nothing inspires me more than the everyday person when they turn up you know what I mean and whether that's that you know they turn up to the bus stop or whatever it's in fact like a, a friend of mine sent a picture to me and he said look at this guy's evolved style and he sent me this picture of this wonderful old guy sitting on a tube everyone else is in their boring black puffer jackets and whatever <laughs> and he has a stripy sock a zigzag shoe a checked trouser and a polka dot hat but it does and that I mean that makes it sound very very clownish it is evolved style and it's just they use the term evolved style evolved style yeah. you know that someone when someone expresses themselves through clothing yeah and it was a massive inspiration I mean it's always an inspiration but this season I spoke to it directly mm. we're gonna get to it you know the sense of fun and humor and whatever it is that you want to communicate and you can communicate all of that in clothes there's nothing better. it's the bit that makes it fun it's the it's bit what I mean it's not the, it's not fashion it's, it's style. not fashion it's style and that's yeah that's a big part of it you um know? and I think that's something that's also quite unique to London also yeah. in a way is people really get I know I live in New York now and, and people have incredible style but there is I'm always in the back of my mind thinking do are people kind of get ready for the observation and that yeah. validation of other people, other people. and here it's all, all for, for themselves. themselves yeah it's a sort of like an eccentricity that is embraced yeah I think and I think when you see that around you as constant affirmations mm. to be yourself it emboldens yeah. you to want absolutely to play that I can do game. that I can do I that I can wear a zigzag shoe I can be uh, not as well as that guy no one can wear a zigzag shoe like that guy. not like that um song three Goldie Timeless yeah this represents probably another period in my life where I, I got my car for the first time what car uh I had a beetle purple beetle oh, nice. that I got for my birthday it was a beat up old thing called Alvin <laughs> and I remember driving I had a miserable job miserable job I was working on an industrial estate uh it was so bleak but anyway this Goldie's Timeless album I played absolutely back to front inside out all the time on my cassette in that car and it represents a period I think that like the other songs that I chose or albums represent choices that I didn't make they were just there they existed for me and they 
represented periods. So the John Holt, A Thousand Volts of Holt, was this sense of family and warmth and love and Sunday and rice and peas and all of that. Frankie Knuckles was this first period about nine when I sort of like was open. I opened up something clicked and I was, I, there was this otherness. And then Goldie's Timeless represented my own choices as when I saw, yeah. sort of started to form, make my own decisions about music. And that represents, I mean, obviously I was listening to albums and stuff earlier, but there was something about that album that was just like hammering, hammering, hammering. Mm. And I loved it. Yeah. It was just a genius album. Still, it's a genius. And a genius album. Yeah. He's still, he's such a genius character. Yeah, genius character. As like, Goldie and Bjork. Oh forget my jo- God. Forget the, Johnny and Kate. It's, I was like, this forget, is it. Forget Winona and whoever. I was like, it's it's always about Bjork Those two, the Bjork joy of them. I think there's an ID cover where they're, are they it's on it beautiful. together? It's just yeah. amazing. It's just wonderful. <laughs> if you ever wish that there was a celebrity couple that ever, I'm not, big into it it's like I'm like I don't know but really that care is something but that would have been great that would have been great for the, history yeah if we could have kept them together 100%. but alas you know alas it all worked out it, yes <clears throat> exactly your label has become huge I don't squint don't squinch and say no <laughs> she's 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 furrowing her brow for those who can't see and and saying that isn't the case it's a hundred percent true what I find so fascinating is that it's a very specific reference. Yeah. But I'm lucky to understand because I was born in the UK. But to me, what I find most so fascinating is How that you've been... people do. I it know. has become a global understanding and appreciation of what you do, which seems so it's from amazing, you. isn't it? Does that confuse yeah. you? Yeah. No. Yes and no. Yes. I'm humbled by it and I'm like, like these areas that I've never even visited and yet people embracing what I do and I'm like wow that's so interesting I thought that was a very specific reference or you know maybe it just it isn't British actually at all Mm. or maybe maybe some of the references are very British but maybe the bigger feeling is that it speaks to something more universal that's I think Mm. a really apt way of putting and I think culture's caught up with you in this way that feels ready for it Mm. Me and my great friend, Rachel Tashjan, she's the fashion critic of the Washington Post. We weren't lucky enough to be at your show, in, your most recent Autumn Winter 24 show in Paris. But we immediately text each other. I, I'm going to show you no it. No way. Yeah, we did. And we said that that was one of the most important fashion shows of the last decade. Oh, my God. And I mean it. It oh, really is. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you. No, it is. It's you're the only person or one of the only people who are breaking the rules you are not using and I mean that you're not using shock tactics I'm going to actually propose something so different and I'm also going to do it in a in a way that's wildly it was like oh yeah it it was like a a a Harlem rave with like something that you'd see at like a community like a community fashion someone came up someone came up to me no it was it because it was based on community fashion show so I'm so glad that that came and someone came up to me afterwards he said I just feel like I'm at my uncle's wedding and I was so pleased I was like that's the nicest thing you anyone could have said to me it was like that and I'm 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 West African you're Caribbean going Mm. to a wedding or a like a shubs a party yeah yeah 
yeah, mattered yeah. how you put yourself together. Oh, and there was absolutely. whooping and cheering and all of that stuff. When someone looked good, it was a celebration yeah, and a respect yeah. of the event. Yeah. And that's what it looked like. And I think yeah. the, the genius of putting it together in London with the people that you love and then recreating it for the Paris fashion yeah. scene that, you know, you kind of reluctantly have to be a part of. You, you're in a business of your rag trade and yeah. selling clothes. That's, was that's really it. smart because it, it conserved your feeling and sanctity around it. I but gave the people what they needed. Yeah, I, d- I really didn't know. I mean, that was... Listen, this is this is something that has been true of the beginning and it's still true now, is that I'm never certain something's going to work. You know what I mean? I'm never... I always exist in this place where I'm like... Fucking hell. Is that... I think people misunderstand it. People are like, you know, that was... When it's successful, it's always like, phew. Yeah. Who knew? Do you know what I mean? But it's all... I'm, I've never had this, like... I've never been supremely confident in in what I do and that and that and that was when I was a student that was when starting the label and that is up until up until now it's always like a bit on the edge or a bit on the mm, precipice you know I mean, the dice. you know this could be the career ending decision you know I so it's not you know I don't have this like unwavering you know belief in what I do at all that's that's just to make it a little bit more real for people because I think people really misunderstand that. How did you know it was going to work? Well, I never knew it was going no. to work and I never, I still, you know what I mean? But you can see that, I mean, said with love and I mean this with the utmost respect, you can see that there isn't like this grand plan. No. You, I, I, I don't think it's ever read like that. It feels so instinct, like instinctual yeah. and, and that's what makes it Aww. again, genuine and cool. You, you, started the show with Shalimar's A Night to Remember oh. which I mean I love that song so much I know oh, it wasn't no. one of your picks but it felt it feels like the perfect song to start start something that felt like such a kind of raucous Woo! celebration because immediately aren't you you're just like you know when we were work, when I was working with Sasha on the playlist it was like this has to be really accessible I want you know, because part of the thing, yes, I had my family and friends there, but everyone in the studio could bring their family and friends. And more specifically, all of the cast, because it was basically based on these community fashion shows and we wanted this energy. And I thought to myself, we have this so many beautiful transforming moments like last season at the um, community, the actual community centre. Mm. And we had these moments that were so moving. It's just like, well, we transform in these people, but they don't, they don't, it's a shame that they do it to the industry, right? They don't get to go back to their communities and show them. So we were like, okay, there's going to be no industry at this next one. And we're just going to ask them to bring their family and friends. So all of the cast brought their mums, their dads, their sisters, because you don't, you, it's hard to get that energy when you are not celebrating for someone that you know. Yeah. So, you know, at various points when each model comes out, you could hear the very like, what? You know, because that's their family and friends. Who's... And I, so I didn't, I, it was really important that the soundtrack was really accessible to people. Yeah, it was nothing that was alienating or sort of intimidating or cool, you know, cool. I wanted it to be sing along everyone knows it get that straight in and Shalimar you're straight in aren't you where do you still find excitement excitement and energy and and, and stuff I feel like you're really adept at knowing all subcultures you've either lived through them or you've observed them you've loved them like what is still 
interesting to you or do you still find little pockets of subcultures or things now that you that you find fascinating yeah you know what it is when when I sort of think about it it's like ultimately when it's sort of reduced down to it's like bare bones because of of course I'm not going out like I did when I was sort of 14 to 35 you know I mean I'm of course I'm not (laughs) so I'm not engaged in in such a profound level but it everything just comes down to people and ultimately Mm. people I find endless inspiration from endless you do go out you were out in New York no no listen babes (laughs) I still go out I go out every opportunity every opportunity I can because that feeling that I'm still addicted to the feeling I can't and this is the thing you know it's the sort of like cruel thing of aging I guess although I'm I, I'm not ashamed of it I love aging and everything gets richer on some level but the the sort of travesty is that you think that you're gonna you know your tastes are going to evolve with your age and you you think when you're a kid you're gonna when I'm in my 20s I'm going to be into this but then when I'm in my 30s I'll be into this when yeah. I'm in my 40s I'll be into this actually at some point you stop and you are who you are yeah. and you are, and you buzz off of what you buzz off. And that is, and that ultimately has not changed at all. So that freedom and that liberation and all of those things that I got off the dance floor when I was 14, I still get now when the, like I say, when the, everything is sinks, it, it hasn't changed. So I'll still go out any opportunity I can. I'm out. It's just less often it's just now. Less often. <laughs> Martimos, thank you for being a guest on Sounds and Style. Oh, thanks for having me. You know how I feel about you. <laughs> I'll eternally feel the same way about you that you feel about, about, about Frankie Knuckles. <laughs> You're my Frankie Knuckles. Oh, thank you, Lynette. Thank wow. you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Sounds and Style. Head on over to nts.live to hear a specially curated mix influenced by the conversation you just heard. Sounds and Style is an NTS podcast hosted by me, Lynette Nylander, produced by Connor Garney and Lizzie King. Follow, subscribe, rate and review if you like what you just heard. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Sounds and Style. Mm-hmm.